Welcome to the Magic of Transformation podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Zeller. I'm thrilled to be having you join me for this episode today. This one is really, really special to me. Before I describe it and we dive all in, just a few things. Number one, if you are not signed up for Magic Doses, be sure to sign up for them. There is a link to get your very own Magic Dose in the show notes. It is free. It is amazing. And I'm going to leave it at that. Number two, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen so you get notified when new episodes drop. And please, please rate and review the podcast. If you do these things, you will be entered in to win a free one-on-one magic session with me. The winner of that will be announced in May. And finally, as always, you can check out my offerings, courses, etc., all the good stuff in the show notes. So I'm really excited to share this episode with all of you today. In this episode, you are going to hear a conversation with me and my voice coach and friend, Davin Youngs. I have been taking voice lessons for about 10 months with Davin, and it's really been life-changing in a lot of in a lot of ways. And you're going to hear exactly how in this episode. So this episode originally aired on his podcast, The Sound of You, which is such a beautiful title for a podcast, The Sound of You with Davin Youngs. And I had a few people listen on his podcast, listen to this episode on his podcast. And they told me that they absolutely loved, loved the conversation. They loved what we talked about. They loved the conversational style of the episode. So I know that you're really going to enjoy this one. Be sure to check out Davin's podcast, The Sound of You with Davin Youngs, and also his coaching site, which is DavinYoungsVoice.com. He also does some really, really beautiful sound healing. You can find that at DavinYoungs.com. You can also find him on Insight Timer, by the way, and you can find him on Instagram at DavinYoungs, Y-O-U-N-G-S. The title of this podcast is Free Your Voice free your life. And it's interesting because I wanted to name it that because I think when I started voice coaching with him, that was kind of my intention was to free certain aspects of my voice that I was intuitively aware maybe weren't free. And I knew that would free me in my life in various ways. So I was thinking of calling it that. And then I realized that Davin actually has a group course that is, I think, going to start in the next few months by the same title, Free Your Voice, Free Your Life. So if you are at all interested in working with Davin, which I just, I must tell you, has been such a rich experience for me, then be sure to get on the list for that offering. You can get on that at DavinYoungsVoice.com. You can also find all of these links that I just named in the show notes. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. It was such a deep joy and honor for me to have this conversation with him. And who knows, maybe we will, maybe we will do it again, because it really was something to behold. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with myself and Davin Youngs. Okay, so I wanted to... uh start this off by giving people a little bit of um, 
insight or knowledge that my hope is, is that this is more of a conversation between you and I than an interview because I've just observed over the time that we've worked together that we have a way of connecting through uh, friendly banter. And I think that it is really will be of service to the story around the voice and the work that we do together to just sort of share in the way that we dialogue. So. I'll ask you questions and you'll ask me or whatever feels like it pops up. But before we get into that sort of open conversation, I did want to just give people a little bit of context about who you are. <laughs> because although we've come from very different you know, backgrounds and been on different journeys, I think that we've both been sort of committed or have had moments of seeking transformation in our lives. And I know that that has taken you down some quite varied paths. So I was wondering if you could give people just a little bit of context about, you know, maybe professionally and some personal information about where you've come from and where we find you now, who you are. Okay. Well, I grew up in Topeka, Kansas and had a, had a, I would say like a relatively normal uh, childhood as normal as, I mean, I, I don't know that anyone's childhood is really normal, but um, what, what from the outside looking in would seem normal. Um, and then I had a really transformative event when I was 14, where I was in a drinking and driving car accident and my best friend was killed. And I had, that was a, that was a pivotal moment for me because I think, I mean, especially at the age of 14, that's really where I started having more existential questions. I think, mm. I think I already had a lot of existential questions. I mean, looking back in my journals, it was like 11. I was like, why am I here? <laughs> um, <laughs> but it really that it, it got so intensified at that point, obviously, and had really severe PTSD. And it was a journey. It was like a real journey of my high school years of moving through that trauma after she died and the trauma that came along with it uh, because there's all there's always a lot of trauma after trauma just right. in the way that people respond to your trauma <laughs> totally. so yeah so a lot of my healing in my life has been also around what happened after that event and just the way that people especially people in the church responded to to me and to my family after that event because there was alcohol involved and so right. there was a lot of um a lot of talk about that. And so that, I think that rooted me in a more seeking central focus mm. because I had to do that to survive. I was suicidal after she died. And so it was, it was really like this, okay, I'm going to try at the time I was seeking under the construct of Christianity, mm. but I still had like a through line to source and and to to spirit and mysticism and something that was sustaining me. And so that carried forward and has been sustained throughout my life. This like kind of constant returning to to something bigger than me and to like authentic self. Um but I would say that my life after high school took a more traditional path and I went to college and then I went to dental school. I became a dentist and my dad's an oral surgeon. 
So it was kind of, um, it's so funny because a lot of dentists have dentists in the family. Yeah. <laughs> I've noticed um, <laughs> there's so, certain career and, paths like that, right? It's like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Or a lot of, yeah. A lot, same with like just MDs too. Did anyone ever tell you to be a dentist? No. Well, um, there was a lot of pressure for a job that had reliable lucrative potential right and that was pushed on me by one of my parents yeah consistently and then an another one of my parents was um more kind of open to do whatever you feel like you want to do but because i consistently daily for many years had this pressure to do something that was safe like what was portrayed to me as safe right there was a lot of uh, I, I think that's why I ended up down a really traditional linear path. I did like the sciences. Like I always really liked sciences and I still do. But yeah, who knows what I would have chosen had that influence not been there guiding me. But eventually became a dentist. Um, and then I was a dentist in a few different states. I moved a lot. And then I got bored. And... So what I did was I specialized once I got bored. Mm. So I kind of went deeper in because especially in dentistry, I, I, I'm a lot of what I do now is I help people. I coach them in their career. Spoiler and, um, alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, and, and this isn't just in medicine or the sciences, but I find this in across because I've helped people in a lot of different careers but I find that what people do when they're unhappy is they go deeper in usually right. like that that's their first thing is <laughs> oh I have to just double down because if I'm not happy then it's my fault and maybe I'm not good enough at it or maybe I just haven't reached that pinnacle of success and so they go harder right totally and so that's what I did and so I became a prosthodontist which was an additional three years of schooling and a master's degree and published research and uh, a lot of work working with other specialists. And I became a specialist so that I could treat the most complex cases in dentistry. Hmm. And then once I was done with that, I moved to Seattle to a very well-known, like esteemed practice that almost anyone in dentistry would know of. And then I started speaking internationally and teaching dentists how to treat complex cases and also how to use technology in in dentistry and that was really fun for a while and then uh, i was actually thinking about this because this ties so much into my voice but i had a a sort of pivotal moment but leading up to that moment there was a year of me suddenly feeling blocked and becoming very aware that something was off and that i had a lot of fears and that i needed to I guess I just became aware that I was limiting myself in some way. Hmm. And so I decided to do a year of yes. And I did all sorts of things that scared the shit out of me that year. I mean, I was just terrified the entire year. But at the while, end of while the year, you were doing this, like speaking and right. Yeah, cool. In fact, that was one of the things that I was challenging myself with was speaking to like bigger and bigger crowds and doing bigger and bigger things within the confines of my current career at the time. And at the end of the year, I, I've always been a big follower of my intuition. 
And my intuition was telling me that I needed to stand up in front of a group of like 500 people and tell them about my story in high school of when my friend was killed in Mm. the car accident. And interestingly, after high school, I hadn't told maybe five people that I had that experience because I was holding, I didn't realize this, but I was holding so much shame around it, mostly because of how people responded to me afterwards, uh, like in the church, that there was kind of an insinuation that, well, she she had died because we were doing something wrong. And so I was feeling like, well, this was my fault that my friend died. And if people found out, I mean, I wasn't driving the car, but because I was there present drinking, it was my fault. And if people found out about it, then no one would like me. I mean, that was kind of like the narrative that I had in my head. Everyone would would reject Mm. me. And so intuitively, I was feeling, oh, you need to go stand in front of this room full of strangers and just tell everybody. (laughs) I love like I love this moment. I see this so often and it it always sort of shocks me like i'll often see people who are terrified to be in front of people want to like sing in front of a lot of people Mm. (laughs) you you know like this like deep calling where it's like it's like that's a significant leap right so it's like you're going from this place of like not sharing with your closest community necessarily and you're like oh i'm gonna i need to do this and it's just sort of a fascinating part about being human where when that like bubbles up it's like it's like a go big or go home sort of moment often yeah it's very interesting i actually was working with a therapist at that time that told me not to do it yeah and i subsequently left that therapist (laughs) i mean that was actually the i i it was in that session that she said, don't do that, that I, I then left and then I, did, I didn't go back. I went and found another therapist who could support me in taking that kind of a leap. Um, and that was also interesting, like, p- interestingly part of the journey, because at that time I was really trying to trust my intuition and my own voice and having someone like a therapist that we totally. often will outsource our power to right, yeah. tell me not to do what my intuition was telling me to do was just yet another opportunity for me to step up and say, no, I am going to do this, even though it does sound fucking crazy. Yeah. Can I, can I swear on this podcast? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny not to, not to totally derail us, but I'm very aware of this in my role. And I don't know if you experience this with your coaching clients, but like, I am really clear when I see people asking me to give them permission to do something Mm. and I just do everything in my power to avoid that role because it is so wrought you know i I mean actually i take that back i will give everyone a yes (laughs) right you know like i'll quickly quickly give you a yes but i will never tell someone no because i've just learned i don't know like i i can't know you know as soon as i tell someone not to do something i'll give them all of the the basic understanding that they need to see the situation as clearly as possible but um yeah i've had a number of people prove me wrong in terms of what I thought was probably a more useful path or efficient path. So I've learned to just, yeah, try to support people where it is that they feel like they need to go. Yeah. A lot of my journey has been learning to trust my intuition over outsourcing my power. Mm -hmm. So I've had a lot of authoritative people literally in every single job I've had in the majority of my relationships. This, This doesn't happen now because I've outgrown manifesting that in my life Mm. but over and over and over again i had a lot of people telling me that i was 
making that I've been that I was making the wrong decisions. And it was ultimately, you know, opportunity after opportunity for me to learn how to trust myself versus outsourcing my power. So, and I, I've, I've actually had coaches tell me that too, like, don't listen to your intuition, listen to me. And subsequently also left those coaches. Right. And now it's probably the central thing I teach in all across all of my different types of coaching is how to connect with your intuition and how to trust yourself over everyone else. Right. And like, just for anyone listening that like, I mean, that's not coaching. <laughs> when someone does that, it's like fundamentally not coaching. It's like one of the things that it's why I, it's, it's one of the reasons I moved from the terminology teacher to coach actually, because I found in my work, I wanted to embody what I think is, is coaching, which is to me is like it, always leading people back to themselves, like yeah. always leading people back to themselves. And, and a lot of times teaching has this, um, it's not, it doesn't have to be this way, but a lot of times people see it as like someone bringing information from on high, uh, you know, bestowing it upon the lowly who ignorant one who doesn't know. Right. And like, that was also not the type of relationship I was interested in being in around the voice in this space. But, um, so yeah. Okay. But so did you, did you talk in front of 500 people? Yeah. So I always want to caveat this because I did a lot of personal healing around the actual trauma prior to speaking about it. Right. And had I not done a lot of personal healing, like work in therapy with EMDR and different sorts of therapy, therapeutic modalities, working specifically with trauma-informed therapists, I, it would not have been a safe nor wise thing <laughs> for me to do yeah. to get up on stage because I would have just re-traumatized myself. Uh, and also, just because I did it doesn't mean that everyone should feel called to share their most traumatizing totally. moments. Across the board, that is what I've been called to do. I don't know that there isn't a traumatizing moment I haven't shared. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, so that day, it's it's interesting. And this is what leads me to the voice. It's uh, because, you know, I was sharing this with my voice, right? Yes, of course. And um, I had spoken in front of hundreds of people many times before at this at this point. And so I was very comfortable on stage speaking. Yeah. And but because I was going to be sharing this story, I was so nervous. I couldn't eat the night before or the day of. And then I was dry heaving in the bathroom before mm -hmm. going up on stage because I was so scared. And then I did it. I got up on stage and it was really kind of like this out-of-body experience. And it was okay. Like, I don't feel like it was probably the best sort of speaking that I had ever done. But afterwards... For about four months, I had no fear mm. about literally anything. It was just like this, the most freeing thing, personally freeing thing I'd ever done. And then after that, it was like the veil came down over everything else in my life that wasn't aligned that I was ready to see at that point. So the week after, I remember sitting in my office as a, as a dental specialist and sitting there and just being like, oh my God, is this it? Yeah, like, right. I have all the things that I thought would take me, first of all, like 20 years to create. And I have all those things and I'm not feeling amazing. I'm not feeling lit up. This is this can't be all there is. And within a month of giving that speech, I left both my job and my marriage. 
<laughs> and that's a mic drop. <laughs> so, I mean, I stayed in dentistry for a while, but it was in a very, in a, in a bit, very different capacity. Yeah. And just to be clear, I'm only laughing because it's like, isn't that how it works? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so many people have this sort of story. And actually, it goes back to, I always think like there's this part of us that doesn't do certain things because we know if we do do it, it will change everything else. So it's not even about the thing, right? It's like, it's like, you know, this actually, I've talked a bit before about like my sort of moment of burnout where I decided to take up uh, what I called a radical sabbatical and I stopped quote unquote teaching voice. Um, I knew within me that I wasn't going to come back in the same capacity. But I couldn't say that out loud at the time. And I, I don't even know that I could have articulated it for myself yeah. clearly. But I knew that if I did this thing at the time, I was just like, I'm just going to take three months off. But I knew if I did this thing that it would change everything. And that's what I mean, it, and it changed everything beyond what I could have imagined. But it's like so often, I think the fear that we feel about certain acts, like seemingly, seemingly sort of simple acts, like you know, singing in front of someone or speaking in front of people or showing up. It's it's that, you know, once you do it, you'll see yourself differently and you'll have to act accordingly. Something in you will be alive that wasn't didn't have the vitality but previously that it does now. I have to say that I did not know that. I hmm. I have subsequently learned that 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 is. You know, when we commit to something big that we are changing who we are on a fundamental level and things will likely not return to yeah. how they were. Yeah. But at the time I actually thought that, and, and that I would say I knew that when I committed to my year of yes. Right. But I thought that that speech was going to be the end to mm. a, a insane year. And in fact, I had a conversation with my sister beforehand. And I was like, okay, okay, this is the last thing before I before I close this year out and finally I'm going to just rest after this and I'm going to chill out and not have to say yes to everything and and I've learned this since too that a lot of times when I think that's going to happen it's usually an initiation like that was very much an initiation deeper into my authentic self right and I think that in terms of just the power of the voice like standing up there and using my voice to articulate it did carry me into a different frequency yeah that i was then in well that's the thing like that's whenever we whenever we speak our truth whenever we're heard and seen in that way it's like uh there's a there's a somatic there's a vibrational experience there's an energetic experience there's a spiritual experience you know and and that's the thing it's like actually uttering those words in front of people is a vibrational experience that shifts like the cellular level of your body. <laughs> and, right. and, you know, sometimes I, I'm like, am I just, am I just talking about voice as metaphor all the time? Like, no, it's like, that was an experience that you had, you know? Um, and I don't think you can overestimate the power of just like saying something like, especially something that's felt suffocated or hidden or felt like it wasn't uh, safe. Like the safety piece is so big. And actually, I wanted to say to you too, you know, you're talking about like, I did a lot of work before I did this. And I do think that that's uh, so important. It's why I kind of giggle at people when they 
for instance, are afraid to stand in front of a group but want to audition for a TV show, which this happens, like, you know, they'll, they'll be like, I've never sang in front of someone, but I was thinking about auditioning for The Voice. And it's like, the problem with that is, is like you very well may have within you the capacity to do that. But because you haven't done the work to prep yourself for that, you're likely to go into that and have a disappointing experience that will not propel you forward. You know, you will feel, you will not feel affirmed. And it's not because you don't have the capacity, it's just that you haven't set yourself up for safety, for success, for, you know, an expansive experience rather than a contractive experience. So, so it's a real testament to the work that you did prior that that didn't sort of do you in the fact For that sure. you're able to walk into that. And it was able to be the ritual into the next um, stage of your life, the next chapter. Yes. And I, I tell people this often that if you're going to like have a big conversation or make a big move in your life to do the internal work first. Yeah before you take the external because before you make the external move because if you're not if you have a lot internally that's sort of blocking you from doing that at capacity and with confidence i mean and it doesn't have to be full confidence but even just like a tiny tiny bit yep. if you go into something terrified that you're going to be rejected and there's zero confidence like it's like it's more likely you're you're going to manifest that experience of being rejected because it's going to be in your energy, in your voice, in your body language. Yep. And you yeah. won't, and you won't, you won't, you'll know it, but you won't know it. So like you can't, I was just working with a client yesterday who um, is really putting all of the pieces in place to have a more professional music career, but a number of the pieces aren't clicking. And I have this awareness that it's because the art isn't, um, fully realized yet because like when someone, especially someone's making music or they're trying to create anything, like if you start sharing it and this is what's so messy about social media, if you start sharing it too soon, the way in which it's able to be received is less dynamic if that makes sense like there's less there's less magic around it because you're holding on in a way because you you don't know how not to. <laughs> Um, right. And so I just often see it's funny because because I have another client who I see is in the opposite position who's holding on way too long to something that deserves to be out in the world. And you see people on both sides of the spectrum. It's like you're doing all of the right things, but you're maybe not doing them in the most efficient order. And, you know, if if you're trying to put something out in the world and you're just working your ass off and you're doing it over and over again and it's not landing, you have to ask yourself what you're essential relationship to that thing is, you know, to that art, to that creation, to that new thing that you're sharing or making, because um, it's easier to blame the algorithm. <laughs> you know? 100%. Yeah. Or if it's like, yeah, if, if it's not on social media, I mean, we just, it's easy to just blame others or to just feel like we're a failure and we're right. on, we're not capable yes, or this ourselves. isn't meant for yes. me or I'm whatever. Um, and then we're just perpetuating that narrative in our head when it doesn't have to be any of those things. Totally. Okay, so you quit dentistry. <laughs> you left your marriage. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a So how does that moment I don't know why I feel called to ask this, but how does that moment rank in terms of like the pivot versus the one that you shared standing in front of people? Oh, uh it's a great question because it was not nearly as scary 
mm-hmm. as standing in front of people. I had a, I mean, it was all very guided by my intuition and I had such a deep trust in my intuition that it would continue to guide me in the right direction. And it's one of those things too, where, yeah, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yep. So I saw, oh, in my, in the case of my marriage, like, oh, this person is, is not for me. Like, it's not a matter of, can I work this out? It's, it's literally we're no longer resonating and it's not possible to move forward with this person. And then it was that way also with my job. This job is not resonating. At that point, I had no idea what I was going to do in place of it, but I just knew this isn't the thing for me anymore. And for me in general, I don't usually, when I do see something or realize something, I'm very quick to create the change. Yep. But it does sometimes, it has historically t- at times taken me a while to see it. Mm-hmm. It, was, it It's not like it wasn't hard. I was, there was a lot of stress, but it was so deeply freeing and felt so self-loving to, yeah. <laughs> to do those things that in, in a way it almost was like I was nurtured mm. to leave. Mm. And, and it's hard. I know it's like... For someone who hasn't had that sort of experience, it can be hard to imagine that. It's hard to even know that that's a possibility because if you're, especially like you left two of the things that are, you know, culturally or societally seen as essential to survival. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like you went right for the jugular. And so for so many people, the thought of, ending either of those relationships, the relationship, the partner or relationship to a job is equivalent to dying. Like it seems like it would result in a death. But the thing is, is it does, (laughs) but it's just not the type of death that you think it is. Yeah. We, we often uh, equate our identity. We, I mean, we define ourselves by what we do or by the people we're with. And so when we consider leaving the person that we're with, or leaving a group that we're in, like a tribe or our job, it feel it can feel like a life or death situation because we don't know who we are outside of that. Uh, and it was, I had tremendous anxiety at like while I was going through that time. I mean, I had always had tremendous anxiety, but it was really flared up at that time, which really gave me a great opportunity to heal it. Mm, yeah, right. <laughs> and to focus on that, but there's a there's a certain kind of peace that comes when you know deep somewhere deep within you what you need to do to save yourself and then you follow through and in fact i someone actually posed a question to me at that time which was what would you be willing to lose to be your true self mm. And I just burst into tears when the question was asked. And I actually had no, this was before I had left the job or the marriage and I didn't know why I was crying. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was a real revelation to me like, oh, these things are actually blocking my, my truth and my pure self-expression because I have to fit into a box to continue these things. Yeah. And that's why it was so liberating to leave them was it was just, it was like I could exhale, like, there was a part of me that was awakening as I was leaving. Hmm. And the only thing ultimately that I lost was the things that were blocking me from being true to myself. 
Yeah. It's funny because a lot of times I think in these sorts of stories in this situation, a lot of people, and, and I'm just noticing this in my own mind, like wanting to go to the analogy or like the death rebirth cycle. But I'm almost thinking like that doesn't satisfy because while something is dying, it's not that it's not exactly that something new is being born. It's like that which already is, is being revealed, you know? And I think that that's like just this incredible awareness when you can see that, that like this, this you was always like the you that didn't fit into those boxes was always, but because of your experiences and your conditioning, you know, you tried them on for size <laughs> and, you, and you realize they were stiff. <laughs> right. And I love that you said that because in, in the personal healing slash transform transformational space, there is such a focus on, on death and rebirth and, you know, creating sacred spaces to kind of like go through these death rebirth cycles. And it's very, it can be very useful to think of it like that. But for anyone that has gone through a big death rebirth cycle, if you really think about it, when you think about what you lost, you <laughs> you didn't lose anything. Like ultimately, when you go through a healing kind of like quote death rebirth cycle, what ultimately is found or birthed is just more of your true essence. Hmm. And so, you know, like the awakening journey is realizing what is blocking your essence and kind of removing those things and just becoming more and more and more of yourself. Right. And so I just, when I, when I, when I look back at like all of it, cause I've been through a lot of shit in my life and a lot of trauma and a lot of things, but I don't really think of those things like at this juncture really as like hardships or things that I lost or, Right. Um, they all ultimately led to just like a more healed, cohesive, integrated self that is just more lit up in the world. Totally. And I see that. And I think that that's why that's why I want to talk to you today. Yeah, like, I think that yeah. there's like, so, well, there's something about that framework that I think a lot of people are on the path toward. And I think you have a, a an awareness of it that is different. And um it's part of what's led our paths to connect. Um, yeah. But I do just want to say that when you're going through it, though, it does feel like death. Totally, so, I, so, so I also want to speak to like the fact that it does feel like death when you're going through it. It's just like once you have that like aha moment or you finally release it or you have a shift in perspective, you realize that you were you were keeping yourself in a prison. Yes. And that that prison never really even existed and that a death isn't really necessary. Right. But you had to lose the part of yourself that believed in the prison. And while you're losing that part of yourself that believed in the prison, it feels like you're really losing something. I mean, because that's your attachment to ego. That's ego. You feel like you're losing part of yeah. your identity, part of your yeah. essential self. But then you realize like, oh, that wasn't me. That right. was a false thought construct. Right. And the thing I think the thing that hit me in the moment when I brought this up, even the death rebirth thing is that I so often I think people have the idea like I have to go through this death so that I reveal something new. And it and that's not the experience. Ultimately, it's like and, and, and all and actually, I think that mind frame might be inhibitive, like to what the actual experience is, which is to be to feel like more true to and oftentimes, you know, in the voice, I, I use the word authentic a lot and what does that even mean <laughs> like what does that mean no one could say but a lot of people know 
Yeah. And it's the thing that is revealed after you've let go of that, which you've been hanging on to or that, or it's the thing that's revealed. Uh, I've talked before on the podcast about like after the crisis, it's like the crisis of experience. It's like once, once you've gone through that, or once you've had that, like something else is revealed and it just feels more authentic. It feels more true. It feels like something you've known forever. Right. And then you realize like, oh, I didn't lose a part of myself. Yeah. I just revealed and I created space for my true self to come through. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But just in an attempt to give people a little bit more context and to keep this maybe somewhat linear, can you tell us where you are now? Where did you end up after that shift away from dentistry, that break in your life, et cetera? Okay, so there was a lot of internal chaos when I decided to leave dentistry, even though it, you know, it felt really nurturing and everything. Um, my in in human design, I have like a what's called a one three profile, which is a investigative experimenter. Tell so, people what human design is. Human design is a personality system that is based in kind of astrology and quantum physics and um, the I Ching and a couple other things. And you find your human design with your birth date, like you would your astrology chart. And so there's different personality types in human design. And my it's called a profile. My profile is a one three, which is an investigative experimenter. And the way that I'm designed to move through life is to learn everything that I possibly can and then experiment with everything that I possibly can. Mm. And then I essentially distill down from that investigation and experimentation the most ideal ways to, to do things. And along that path, I will often be able to add to those distillations in terms of new and better ways. And that's what I did in dentistry. I taught sort of more like, if you can use the word evocative in dentistry, yeah. um, evocative <laughs> ways of doing things, you know, that triggered a lot of kind of like the old school mentality and the dogma in dentistry. And it's what I do now in the transformative space as well as I sort of like push back against, you know, something like that with like the death birth recycle, like do, do we really have to go through a death cycle? Mm -hmm. like, to get right, to right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so because of that, though, things I would say don't come like, I hesitate to use this word, but they don't come super easily to me, meaning that I have to investigate all mm. the things and experiment with all the things to find the best thing. So during that time, even though I wanted to make a jump to a new career, I also intuitively knew if you go into a new career with the same internal state that you have right now, which was like a total pusher, a workaholic, hmm. obsessed with work, trying to find my identity and success of work, then anything else I did, I would end up burning it to the ground <laughs> because I would burn myself out. Right. And so I felt this, it was like an internal retraction of you have to first heal these tendencies release them, find a new way before you can move in to what you think you want, which at that point, like, I didn't know exactly what I wanted. So the next couple of years were essentially a huge deep dive into healing my anxiety, healing my tendencies, figuring out like why I had a mindset about certain things, learning about the unconscious, about subconscious reprogramming, working with all different kinds of practitioners. And as I was doing that, I was discovering 
that I was able to distill that in a particular way and help people myself, Hmm. meaning like coach other people. And that was something that once I started digging into it, I realized I'd always just done naturally. Like I would meet a person on the street and they would tell me their, (laughs) their like most difficult story. And with all these partners I used to have in the past, past, they would say like, what is it with you? Like, you'll just walk up to this person. This person's telling you something so intimate all of a sudden. Mm. I'm like, I don't know. It's just always been something that has happened to me. And I realized like that's a natural gift that I have is to assist people in their moments of need. Which oddly probably, you know, was an incredible skill to have as a dentist too, right? There's this vulnerability 100%. with your patients yeah. and like actually being able to. Well, in, in dentistry, it's kind of known that if you have a patient with a complex psyche, you send them to a prosthodontist which is oh, wow. what which is what I was. So I would either get patients with complex cases meaning like every tooth needed to be taken out and implants put in and all this stuff like all this surgery or they only needed one or two things but they had a really complex psyche. Mm. And I intuitively knew how to work with them. Yeah. Because I intuitively knew that their their problem that they were coming to me with was not their problem. Yeah, right, 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 which is what is always the story with the voice work that I do too. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So, um, yeah. So as I went through this healing journey, I started coaching people at the same time. I was also kind of like activating intuitive and psychic gifts that I had. And then I started m- melting them together and I just started experimenting with coaching, which over time has evolved into what it is now, which is, um, a coaching practice, but a lot of what I do is really high-end advanced workshops where you can learn all of these concepts that I have distilled across all of these different mediums and modalities that I learned from and experimented with and then funneled into this really nice stream of like, okay, you have problem A, let me get you to problem B with this really very specific workflow, which came from also, I think, like my attention to detail. (laughs) Um, and in dentistry because dentists are already really anal retentive but also in dentistry everyone knows that prosthodontists are the most so that attention to detail is definitely in my workshops as well so now that's what I do is uh transformational coaching and I have a podcast and that's that's the full-time job now awesome and at the end of things we'll get you to name all of that so that people can find you sure okay it took us this long (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which I am loving, but it took us this long, which is, this is like, this is like one of our sessions. It took us mm-hmm. this long to get to singing. So why did you contact me? Cause I realized we have been working, working together for about 10 months. Um, and, uh, and you'd, you'd like reached out to me in the past. Cause I think you heard me on a podcast somewhere, but then about 10 months ago, you reached out and you're like, I want to do this one-to-one coaching work with the voice. So what was going on at that moment that brought you there? Yeah, that was, it was, it's funny because it was so simple. It was just a, oh, uh, intuitively it was like a, oh, you need to contact Davin and do some voice work. And that was the only thing that I knew Hmm. intuitively. I, I will say that so much of my journey and the journey that I lead other people on now is anytime you have a fear about anything, it's just a false belief or or perspective. Like it's essentially, again, in your head. And 
it's like I can hear right now people listening to this and being like, yeah, well, not in my case because <laughs> I know right? she doesn't know what happened to me. <laughs> because, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> <laughs> that's 100 percent. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me just say, like, I, I get it. I mean, that that also has been me. And as I'm sure Davin can attest to and almost everyone that comes to you has some sort of trauma around their voice. Absolutely. And even, I myself even had the trauma. professional singers and even like the the people you would least suspect who who maybe use their voice the most publicly often have the most like heart-wrenching stories, right? Like yeah. they'll have the thing that like they're just still carrying around with them. It's remarkable. Yeah, totally. We all do. Yes, and it's like right, even if they're really out with their voice, for instance, I am now on my second podcast. Mm -hmm. I have this podcast that I do consistently. I've done international speaking, spoken in front of thousands of people. Like, it's not like I haven't used my voice, right? Yep. But there were, I knew intuitively there were aspects of what I could do with my work with you that would unlock parts of me. And, but I didn't have any idea what they were. Hmm. And um, I was very scared like terrified before uh, our first session. And um, because I help people subconsciously reprogram, I myself did some own my own subconscious reprogramming before our first session to help what does mitigate that mean? some of that fear. Yeah, so subconscious reprogramming is like your perspective on life is due to a program of thinking that got programmed into your subconscious mind based on past experiences. Right. And we project into the world. It's like we have a lens over our eyes of this is the way the world is, but we just interpret the world in that way based on our past experiences. So, and that is all stored in our subconscious mind, subconscious meaning it's below the conscious mind. We don't know it's there, mm -hmm. but we have all sorts of hidden beliefs and they're hidden from us. So some these things that we're certain of the way the world works are oftentimes our blind spots, meaning that's not the way the world has to work. Right. Just based so, on our experience, that's what we believe. Yes. True. Yeah. So reprogramming is where we essentially, if I'm helping someone reprogram, I will change their brainwave state. They'll go into a different brainwave state where we can access these beliefs, which are just held in nerves in mm -hmm. the subconscious mind. And then we, we rewire, we change the programming to a more self-expansive belief mm. and then when you come out of that sort of hypnotic state then all of a sudden you are able to view life totally differently and that trigger that fear that belief is no longer there awesome so i did some of that work before working with you not mm -hmm. a lot like a couple of sessions um because i have recorded sessions that i have done on myself thousands of times and, um, but it's funny because I remember when we did our first session, you were like, well, why do you want to do voice work? <laughs> it kind of cracks me up now. And I said, oh, I have no idea. I'm just here because I was intuitively guided to. And what did I say? even you in the moment, you were like, you kind of looked at me like with a blank stare, like, I don't like, well, what, why do you think? And I was like, no, I don't know. Mm -hmm, like right. I, I honestly don't know. Which I've grown to like learn this about you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I will admit, my first reaction to that was like, huh, okay, <laughs> like what exactly do I do with that? But yes, but now I, I, I know, I know, 
about your commitment to following those nudges. Yeah. And I also just want to kind of give people permission listening, like if you're thinking about doing voice lessons or whatever you're thinking about doing, we are taught that we have to have really good reason right. to make any decision yeah. in our life. And we have to be able to substantiate yes. our decisions. Like if anybody challenges us, we need to have evidence and really good reasons backing up our decisions. And guess what? You don't need to have right. any reasons. So how this presents itself most often when people approach me is one of the things they'll say as a defense mechanism is they'll say, well, I'm not trying to be famous or anything. Mm. It's like one of the first sort of knee jerk reactions that people will have, you know, or they'll they'll minimize that. See, I see, this is why I, I adopted this language for myself around being a singer, because I think like this, the title singer, it, it says something about um, that deep knowing of who I am and who other people know themselves to be. And it has nothing to do with being a performer, has nothing to do with um, with any of the basic like ideas or constructs. It has something to do with this, this knowing that my voice is my essential tool for sharing. And it happens to be that I have felt, you know, my most self when I've used my voice in that way. Um, and so that's why I often like nudge people and like, like play around with that word for yourself because people so often will be, well, I'm not a singer, but blah, blah, blah. I'm not a singer, but I'm not trying to be famous, but, and it has to do with those permissions that people are looking for to follow their intuition, right? To follow the guide that goes, there's something in me that needs to be expressed in this way. Yeah. So you're saying that they're, it, it seems like they're trying to find a reason why they're wanting to work with you, but they, it's like, there's also some defenses coming up in terms of, but I don't want you to think that I want to be famous. It's like an setting yeah, so, expectations thing, but it's also, okay. but it's also like what exactly, I, I, more often than not, if you're going to pay someone money <laughs> to help you with something, it comes from like a, a knowing. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. there are a million other passive ways to do something. Like there are a million, you can look up a YouTube video right now or go on TikTok or whatever. Right. Like there are a lot of ways to try to gather information. But when you've taken that step to seek guidance, to seek an ally, to seek support, it's usually coming from some sort of deep place. Now, that doesn't mean that that person is going to be the right fit. But a lot of times people will find themselves there. And then there's that like the reality hits. It's like, what have I done? <laughs> what have I done? What am I doing? What does he expect from me? You know, what is mm. what what does this say about what I should? expect from myself now here's another another side note i have and this ties back to some of the stuff we said earlier i think a lot of times those people do want to perform <laughs> i mm. think a lot of times those people do want to be famous you know and i and it's not i just think there's no shame in that game like it's not because it's fame's never about fame right it's like about being seen and being you know being heard in this sense um by a wide audience but a lot of times when you're naming it so specifically like that, it's because some there is like a deep nudge and that nudge feels counter to the culture. Or who like, or to who they know themselves to be. Right, right. What the call yeah, yeah, yeah. To your subconscious programming, right? Right. Like, yeah, like I don't know myself as a singer, so I can't say that that's yep. what I'm here to do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like who knows? That could have been also part of why I was feeling 
drawn to do voice lessons with you. I mean, um, I, I, I will say the first, the one thing I did know was that it was going to shift my internal state and that it would, it was going to unlock a part of my essential essence, like my true authentic self in a way that other things had not been able to do. Yeah. And I knew that that was going to happen inevitably and specifically by working with you, because I needed to work with someone that would, that was intuitive and that could differentiate between authentic sound versus non-authentic sound and hearing you on Rob Bell's podcast. Like I knew that that's what you were about. And so to me, it was very much, I like, I have to work with Davin or someone just like him. It's I'm not doing this. Um, that there, there's another layer here that I'm looking for, not just singing. Totally. And this is the fact that you know that is a testament. And it's actually one of the things that I I have found interesting. I've said this to you, but working with you, like that knowing is such an asset in your ability to grow. Because for so many people, you know, so many people say to me, well, um, I didn't know this was gonna be therapy. Mm. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, first of all, it's not therapy. But second of all, <laughs> like, but I think that you do know, like, that this is built into the machine, like this is built into the mechanism of expression, that it was going to unearth something in you that, you know, has felt like it, it needed to be expressed, it needed to be uh, shared, you know, this, this, the, the voice in particular is always a tool for sharing. And so it is, um, inherent to its use that something about you will be more known yeah and so when that happens it we bump up against the corners of ourselves we bump up against the stories we bump up against the things and so that knowing that you had that this is somewhat something of the approach that you were going to be able to or desired to approach this with um i think has just really allowed you to make some quite significant changes quickly because that resistance doesn't seem to be present for you in the same way as I encounter it with myself at times and a lot of others. What your resistance specifically around the voice or around transformation? Well, both, right? Mm-hmm. As it relates, like like that that feeling of So like let's say you're in a voice lesson and you're making sounds and some shit comes up. And a lot of times that will be overwhelming for people. It will put them in a mode of protection and defense. And, uh, and from my point of view, it's like, no, this is just a part of it. And that's what I try to tell people all the time. It's like, this isn't really about singing, although it's totally about singing, you know? Um, and so in those moments where that like comes up and you're feeling like emotion or you're feeling fear, or you're feeling, you know, that story from your childhood, or you're feeling like what, like, does this mean I have to sing in front of people in the future? Like all of this stuff, your ability, your willingness to your willingness and your ability to be present to that, to stay with that, to be graceful with that, to be kind to that. It has a big impact on how you can actually make the changes in your voice. Because if you meet that stuff and then you're like, whoa, I didn't want this. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. Right. Uh, it just slows your process down. You know, it's it, it's just how it is. Yeah, I think that 
I think that having the context and awareness that it it's going to happen can be really helpful. Um, you know, in my, in one of my, well, actually in all of my workshops, that's kind of the beginning is like, you're going to go through cycles of expansion and contraction. You're going to come up with like against your edge. And that's actually what we want. Because if you can stay at your edge, then yeah. you're going to expand. And so that's so central to my own just curiosity is like, if we're in, if you and I are in a session and my voice does something super weird, or I feel like, oh, I'm feeling my throat closing up from the back of my tongue getting really rigid or just something happened then I know immediately, oh, that's an, that's like a really interesting kind of defense mechanism. Like, yes. and I'm just really curious about it to the point that sometimes it's almost like juicy. Like it's like, yes. oh, interesting, <laughs> you know, like, and I try to look at every point of contraction or edge that I come up against in that way at this juncture. I have to say in the beginning, that was very difficult because everything felt so not in the beginning of our work together, but in the beginning of my own transformational journey, Yeah, it was, it was hard because it would be like fight or flight would really kick in. Yes. But now that I have more space for that, um, it can be fun to be playful yes. with those edges and look at them in a really juicy, curious, almost sometimes erotic way yeah. of just like, Oh, interesting. Like, how can I just play with that edge? And how can I push on it until it feels like just too much and then like pulling back? Yeah. Um, but you can do this too, because I teach my students this, like you can do this at the beginning of any transformative journey. It's just a simple switch from like shut down to curiosity. Mm -hmm. Just like as soon as I feel that edge, as soon as my voice makes a funny sound or like something happens that I don't expect, like how can I just kind of like giggle at it and like yes. be curious about what that is? Well, and so often I like, so yes. And this is, this is like sort of the linchpin around why I wanted people to hear you because I observe that you are able to bring that attitude and that posture to this work. And what's interesting too, for people to know is that like relative to a lot of other people I work with, you have less experience as a singer. I mean, yeah, I would always joke that like, I was like um, an infant, like I'm like your infant client like but, and, like but zero the, zero experience everyone yeah and and that and and i i'm at the stage in the game where that's not always who i want to work with because mm -hmm. of because of this exact thing that you're talking about is like when fight or flight kicks in when the nervous system takes over it can be game over for some people and that takes a time i often will recommend to people if they come to me and they're in that state that they should go to you know a much more basic sort of voice teacher to just practice actually standing up in front of someone making a sound listening to the sound feeling it in their body because that if you're not able to do that, it is then very difficult to make change. But if you are able to do that and you're able to calm the nervous system just enough to allow your brain to be curious, it's a super fun, playful endeavor. And it's just singing, right? Like we're not talking about anything that's life or death. It's just singing. It's meant to be playful. You know, it's like these yeah. are these are ways of being in the body that I think are divine gifts of play. Like they are divine gifts to um, release, you know, just the best hormone possibilities. <laughs> like yeah, it, but, we always you know, feel good. Um, for some reason, this just popped in my head. I 
I remember I, you've been on Rob Bell's pod. You were on Rob Bell's podcast twice. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know which one it was, but I remember you were talking about how you would go into someone's like workspace and you would gather everybody yes. that worked there and you would have them all seeing. And you were talking about it like it's the most natural thing just to be in your body. And to me, that's totally how I feel about dance. And if you were to come in and you were to be like, OK, everyone dance like I could get down with that. Like that would be like. Right cool i have no problem getting into my body in that way but i remember when you said that like coming into the works i was yes. like oh my fucking god if <laughs> if he came in to my workspace and was like okay now we're just gonna sing and it's gonna be so good and you're gonna feel so i would be like i, I have to go home i would make up an illness <laughs> people people did <laughs> i 100 would do that there's no way in hell i would have stayed like no no question i would have made up an illness yeah, like, and I and I don't mean to uh, the, uh, full disclosure. Like I always did my best to like create space for people to take care of themselves in the way that they needed to in those situations. Like I <laughs> for but, the people that were hyperventilating, like yes, you. Yeah, there was a corner. <laughs> but here's the thing: is it's like the perceived threat is so much greater than the reality, and I have it. On, yeah, I have it on good authority that you will walk away from this feeling better. Like, and especially in that context. So if people don't know, I used to have a company called Voxus where I would bring improvisational singing to corporate work environments. And that was all the whole, no one ever had to sing on their own. The whole premise was about singing together. And just the science tells us that if we do it, we're going to feel better. There's no two ways about it. You won't walk away feeling worse. Um, it's why people sing together at ball games. It's why people sing together happy birthday. It's why people sing together at the bar, karaoke. It feels good. It feels good. So if sometimes, and this is in that setting, I, I'm not so much don't do this in the one-to-one -one coaching setting, but in that setting, it's like an ambush. <laughs> in the yeah, best yeah. in the best possible way because it's like you think you can't do this but i'm just gonna like sing at you and you're gonna sing at me and then you're gonna be doing it and you're gonna be going oh my god i thought i was gonna die but i'm not dead yeah i mean yeah and that you know before i got up on stage that day and told everybody that story like i thought i was gonna die yeah. and i remember before our first session i was very nervous and i and i hadn't been the only other time in the last couple of years i've been that nervous is before i went surfing but like, I was very nervous. It was like very much a fight or flight response. And I was like, whoa, I was surprised by, yeah. by how nervous I was because I've worked through so many fears over the last five, six years that it's rare that I get that thrown into fight or flight at this juncture. But I also knew that as long as I just made it through the first session, that I would be fine. Cause I would see, I would show my nervous system that I didn't die. Yeah. Right. That's it. That's so, yeah. that's it. That's so essential. And this is what I was saying earlier about if you push yourself into a situation that's way over your head and you have an experience that is not affirming, if you have experience that's devastating, like that can be detrimental. But if you put yourself in a situation that you have just enough tools and you have just enough support that you'll be successful, even though you're terrified, it it's a game changer. It can totally switch the whole thing. You could You could have spent many, many years thinking that you couldn't sing in front of people you weren't allowed to do that you shouldn't do that and you have one experience doing it in front of someone and they affirm you and then you go maybe i can do it maybe this is possible yes. but i have to say um it's not just anyone like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i mean in terms point. of who who you're singing in front of like i was feeling very intuitively drawn to you 
And, you know, I remember even when I emailed you, I was like, hey, if you're not available to do this, can you recommend someone? Right. Because I was not willing to go to just anyone. And it's it's very much about finding someone that can create that sort of like um, the when I say masculine here in a second, I mean, energetic. So like mm -hmm. not gender, but like that masculine sense of containment yeah. and of like that non-judgmental awareness yeah. and also you're so good at it's like when when we get into the part of the session where i'm actually doing some singing i feel like i get to be a kid and you get to be the adult that's like cheering on the kid yep. and that's and and you know when we're sharing our voice whether it be like public speaking for some or singing for others it's like there is kind of, there's such a deep vulnerability there that yes. you do, whether you want to or not, you do get thrown into like this, this young child state. Yep. And so it's very important to have someone that's mature enough and contained yeah. enough to hold it, especially me, because I had like you, like, I remember after our first session, you were like, that was so, you know, very good job. Like, okay, you are like a beginner, beginner, beginner. Like you are really a beginner. <laughs> And you're like, I'm just going to be real with you because I can tell that you can like hear you can you can receive this. And I just like started laughing because I was like, I am like total beginner. Like yeah. and, um, you know, fortunately, you're you're opening open to working with me. But I remember even after that, like while you were telling me all that during our first session, I was thinking to myself, like, if he's not willing to work with me, like that's probably the end of this journey because I'm not like I'm mm. not doing this. I'm so interested in doing this the right way. Mm -hmm. that like I have to work with someone like like you or like you yeah yeah in order to do that yeah I love that I mean that there's like a, you just you're tuned into well we're tuned into a, a certain frequency and the people in my sphere and my orbit are tuned into this sort of frequency in the way of seeing the work and what it is that we're doing and it's like it that's it's just not these aren't just like your high school voice lessons, you know, uh, and and but that's so exciting to me because I think that it's the possibilities are significant outside of and this is why I always say if you transform your voice, you can transform your life. It's because I don't even have to talk about it. I'd love to talk about it, but I don't have to talk about it. All I have to do is hold you, you know, not physically, but yeah. <laughs> hold you, Containment. contain yeah. <laughs> you, create a container for you to make the sound yes. in. And then, you know, and the good news is, is I know enough to help you make some new sounds too. And so it'll expand your, yeah. your, your awareness and your understanding. Um, and I also too, though, like, I hope, I hope your experience was when I say to you, like, you're a beginner. It's like, sometimes we need someone to name for us what we know, like the truth of where we are. And I always, I do my best, like, to say to people really exactly what it is that I hear, because as a, a as a human, it's hard to get honest feedback, but especially around things that are so sensitive, like the voice, you know. And a lot of times, people like people know, like they know, but they can't find someone to affirm what it is that they know. And so I do my best in those situations. Because it's like a it's like a way of honoring the vulnerability of what you've done. It's like, if I wasn't honest with you, it's like, that would not be fair of me. So 
because you've been so vulnerable with me. I like owe it to you to tell yeah. you exactly where you are and what the path is. And, you know, some people don't like to, like to hear it. Well, I mean, for me personally, I never would have signed up with you if I felt like you weren't being authentic. Yeah, right. Like, and um, there's a, you know, when we speak truth to people, there's also an intuitive element within us in terms of like, how far can I take this person with this truth in this moment? Yes. And how much, how can I really speak? Should I really be speaking to it? Or is there a way I can sort of graciously help them see it on their own or whatever? And yeah. maybe especially as a coach, like that's what we do. Right. But like, I mean, you even said to me, like, I'm going to be just really brutally honest with you because you, I feel like you can take it. And that was you intuiting in that moment too. Like, yeah. I'm going to tell her that she's a beginner, beginner, beginner. And like, for me, that was a relief to hear that truth yeah. being spoken back to me because then there was like an immediate trust that was established. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and again, like I kind of owe that when you've been vulnerable, like you had to put yourself and be fearful and share your voice. This is the thing, as much as I sound like a hard ass where I'm like, I'm going to ambush you and we're going to sing. It's also <laughs> like, I, I know what it is to be afraid. Like, I know that I've been singing my whole life. I know that, but I know what it is to be afraid. Like, I'm a human. I also know what it is to, like, see someone in their, you know, most intense fear. I've done this a lot. Some people, you know, bump up against these experiences and it truly feels like death to them in the moment. That feels like the prospect of death. You know, they feel yeah. like their throat could close. They feel like their breath would vanish completely. They feel like they might collapse physically under the pressure. I know what that is. But again, I always come back to this deeper knowing, which is like, but you're not gonna. <laughs> I got you. Right. Like it's gonna be okay. Like this is singing. This is singing. This is fun. Uh, it doesn't feel fun right now, but I promise. I promise that it can be. Um, I wanted to ask you, like, what have been some surprises? Like, how have you surprised yourself throughout this process? Yeah. Well, so one thing that I've noticed, and I don't know if this would be a surprise, but one thing, one very pleasant thing that I've noticed is how after each session that we do, I feel really energized and open, like something's been unleashed. And to the point that now I can almost depend on that that feeling will be there afterwards. So sometimes I'll even like save specific work to do that I want to be feel really like aligned and lit up to do. Mm. I'll save it for right after our session. Um, I have been really pleased at how playful I've been able to be in our sessions. Yeah. And I feel like that was kind of a conscious choice more towards the beginning of like, um, I'm doing this for fun. Yes. Yeah. Like I'm no matter what happens, I'm going to go and I'm just going to have fun. Yeah. And so that's been just a really, it's been a really joyful experience to have and then the there's been a lot of mind-blowing things like i remember our first or second session you were telling me like can you make that sound a little louder and i literally could not mm -hmm. like i was just like i can't make this louder and i remember thinking like this is weird that this is so quiet and it's like something like i can't make this sound louder and now i can make these sounds so loud <laughs> 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 yeah, and just learning in that process of like first of all maybe that was like some some muscular 
guarding, but also like that's those are also defense mechanisms that are tied to other things because somatically, you know, everything's very integrated in our body. Like what we're defending against in our throat and our facial mus muscles and our expression and our sound is also what we're defending against in life. And mm -hmm. so it's like when you can free those things, there's a equal and opposite reaction being freed in your life that you may or may not be yes. aware of. Right. And I've seen that happen in both ways with us. Like I've seen Say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it. Yes, that's exactly it. I've I've seen like my voice kind of break free and then me feel more free in my life, but I've also very frequently felt myself be free because I do uh, a lot of personal work outside yes. of our sessions. Um I will notice like okay, like wow, these last two weeks I did a just a a shitload of personal work. And then I'll come into our session. You'll be like, oh my God, you're making totally different sounds. And to me, that's been a really beautiful mirror of uh, an affirmation of the other work that I've been doing and how it's also being expressed through my voice. And then most recently, the most amazing thing that's happened is, uh, as you and I have talked about extensively, I've been doing a lot of work on releasing ego. And I had this really big transformative experience of kind of awakening and, and finally releasing ego to, to some regard. And the how my voice actually has completely changed since since then, yeah. and how like I've been able to access a much more pure expression of my voice, and that's been nothing but joyful because it's actually really it feels so good to make that sound, yeah, which I've never been able to make prior to that experience. And so it's another like just a huge mirror of like, whoa, I released to this kind of fake ego identity. And now I'm feeling this true expression of myself come online. And it's also being reflected in my voice. And that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, just for the sake of the listeners, I literally have never met anyone so committed to personal transformation as <laughs> you are. Like, I mean that I'm not not blowing smoke, like for real. And, it, and it's it's remarkable because over this short amount of time that we have connected in this space, like I have, I'm like witnessing it unfold in front of me and I get the privilege of, you know, yeah, reaping the vocal benefits uh, of that. But I, <laughs> but I don't always know like what's happening, right? So it was interesting to just hear you say that you have this experience after our sessions because I'm not there for that. And I think a lot right. of people have that, but I also know what it is to like get done singing and like, woo you know, like have that feeling, right? And uh, and so I know, I know that in my own experience. And so that's wonderful to hear that. But then also you're right, like there is this, well, let me say it like this, people often tend to skew one way or the other when it comes to voice work. But what you just shared there is to me, such a beautiful example of where the somatic practice of using your voice, the embodied experience of using your voice meets the spiritual practice of personal expansion, growth, and transformation. Because when, like if I could take the professional singers I work with and get them to get their spirit, <laughs> you know, awake, <laughs> uh, and if I could convince some of my woo-woo friends that they actually need to understand the technical aspects of their voice and their body, <laughs> I'm speaking in hyperbole and I'm speaking exaggerated terms, but, but what you're saying right there and what I've observed in our work together and what I think is so beautiful is like, we're doing exercises. Like we're not, you know, we talk a lot, but we're also just doing some slides and some scales and so forth. And you really are noticing that you're 
your coordination of your voice and your body is different. When you pair that up with letting go of a lot of the bullshit uh, that we hang on to as humans, the the experience is is holistic. It is it feels bigger, um, and you can do with the voice what you want. You know, like who knows what the future holds with you and your voice and singing, um, or maybe this is just the practice. Who knows? But the holistic experience is so worth it. It's such a noble, worthwhile effort. So, in in terms of the your your clients, do you find that they're is an integration across the board with or is there um i mean i guess you were kind of just saying there's usually like a focus on one or the other well i think it's hard as humans to see the big picture often we tend to get mired in right. any given area I, I i don't think that one happens without the other yes okay but i think yeah. the awareness is if if one can be aware that both of these things require each other it's a more efficient path toward change for sure yeah well and that's also where the curiosity can come in and either the like psychological slash spiritual work of what is my edge and when where when am i being triggered and where am i being defensive in my yeah. daily life and then also what is my edge with my voice and in this lesson and when i'm practicing and Yes. And how can I be curious about both? Yes, totally. I think just like tapping into, you know, a lot of times people will connect, like they'll be doing an exercise and I'll, for instance, ask them, could you make that sound louder? And they'll realize that they can't. And then like something will happen where they'll go, what does that mean? Mm. Like, what does that say? And usually it's actually kind of obvious. Like, Often before that, they will have told me about some frustrating thing in their job where they're not able to speak up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. It's like the correlation like is presenting itself. But yeah. but for some folks, it's like, well, I was just here to sing. Like I didn't, you know, and it's like, no, those things, they're connected. The reason that you aren't able to do that, it's because it's embedded in your body. It's embedded in the coordination of how it is that you're able to make sounds. And that is deeply connected to the way in which you see the world, the way in which you know the world to be, how safe it is. You know, they can't be pulled apart, but they are diff can be difficult to notice at the same time. Yeah. Okay. So I hope that this conversation, I hope people have just gotten a taste of <laughs> the Stephanie and Davin show. Um, but but <laughs> we'll the, be back, folks. Yeah. But the nature of what this conversation can be, because I think it's illuminating and I think it's, um, exciting and and I just want to say again like I'm so proud of you like I'm so proud of the work that you have done and I do um you know a, a number of years ago I committed to myself to only work with people that lit me up too mm. um and you know you you are very different than a lot of other people I work with and you light me up in a very specific way and I'm so grateful for that like and I have other people that light me up totally differently right um different parts of who I am but the reason I'm committed to that is because then the relationship feels reciprocal and that then I have energy to give totally. you know throughout the whole thing and so anyway uh, the work that you've done and the attitude that you bring to the work has given me a lot of energy and given me a lot of um, opportunity for thought too. So just want to say thanks for that. Oh, well, thank it. you. It's It's been so fun. I mean, yeah. for anybody that's thinking about it, you should just do it. You don't need a reason why. 
<laughs> I mean, we certainly laugh a lot. So that's always... We do laugh a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where can people find you? Where can they know more about you? Tell us all the places. Yeah. Um, finally launching a new website this weekend. It's going to be the transformationschool.com. Beautiful. And on Instagram at Stephanie Zeller Speaks. Great. Awesome. Stephanie Zeller Speaks, by the way. I know. I know. Isn't that funny? It's amazing. It's, <laughs> it's, it is what it is. Like it is, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I appreciate this conversation. I hope that people are interested in connecting with you. They will. I know that your work is significant and profound and your story is, um, just a really remarkable journey of, of, yeah, someone who is committed to growth and transformation. So looking forward to that continuing to unfold before my eyes. Thank you. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you feel like this episode would resonate with anybody that you know, be sure to shoot it on over to them. And as a reminder, you can find all of Davin's links and information in the show notes. Thank you again for tuning in and we'll see you next time.